0: on CityCast DC. We're talking about a topic that affects everyone. Toilets. As in, why aren't there more public ones in the city? The DC Council is working on building more soon, and I spoke with researcher Jonathan Katz about the effectiveness of that plan. He also opened my eyes to a whole bunch of potty-related problems I'd never even considered. (laughs) It's Thursday, June 30th, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. I'm here with Jonathan Katz. He lives in Silver Spring, Maryland, works for the federal government in D.C., but he's here in his personal capacity. Jonathan has done a lot of research on public restrooms. Jonathan, thank you for being here today. I know that I have been caught before desperately needing a bathroom in the city. Has this ever happened to you?
1: Absolutely. And this is actually how I got started getting interested in restrooms. I'm originally from New York, and I lived in New York for a while after finishing college. And out a UTI in 2016, a urinary tract infection, and afterwards, when I needed to pee, I really needed to pee. And New York City, where I lived at the time, not a lot of public restrooms. So it got to the point where, for every single station on my commute,
0: I knew where the nearest accessible
1: public restroom was.
0: You've used the term potty parity." Why does this matter? Why should folks care about this issue? So potty parity, as a
1: term, actually originates in feminist movements because people with uteruses need to urinate a little bit more often than men, and they take longer because of the shape of the urethra. But the problem is that if you have 50-50 bathrooms, that's actually not equitable for how much people need to use them, on top of which there's a disproportionate number of restrooms for cis men like myself. But what's really important is that this equality goes beyond it because some people Lack restroom access. So, for example, people experiencing homelessness or many trans folks. Some people lack adequate restroom access. So, for example, people with disabilities or older adults, people with dementia. And some people lack access to restrooms that really serve their needs. So, for example, someone who's traveling with a toddler that might need diaper changes or someone who needs a wheelchair accessible restroom or a restroom without non slip services. And what this means is that then people who have say additional restroom needs, say they need to go more often, or when they go, they really need to go, they have a digestive thing, or if they're just someone who pees a lot or uh, has other needs, it means that people end up having to kind of plan their outings around can they get to a bathroom? On top of which, it can lead to very painful situations, very humiliating situations. And so making sure that we have adequate restroom access is really important so that people can really participate in public life and then go about their day and not have to even plan, you know, say, basic errands or their commutes around, hey, can I get to the bathroom in time?
0: Absolutely. So we know that the DC City Council is actually considering a plan to tackle this. They are proposing a situation where there would be bathrooms accessible any day, anytime. Can you tell us more about what this plan looks like? So right
1: now, what it is, is that they are proposing a pilot in two out of three locations. So the three locations that have been identified are Starburst Plaza in Northeast, near Union Station, and near DuPont Circle. And what they're planning to do is build accessible, gender-neutral public restrooms that would be open 24-7 for whoever needs them. They've based this based on where people have often been defecating or urinating in public, and also where there's heavy foot traffic. So those three areas have a lot of that traffic. It's currently a proposal. They're actually soliciting public comment until the 30th. There seems to be a lot of push for this from the D.C. Council, much more so than I think other cities in the U.S., which I think is really helpful.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's Pride Month and nationally, the conversation around restrooms has been about the ways in which it's a gender issue. Do you think that these public restrooms should be gender neutral?
1: Yes. And I was really glad to see in the report that they actually specified that these bathrooms should be gender neutral. And I think that's really important because for many trans and non-binary folks, being put into that situation where they have to pick a binary gender can not only be very unaffirming, it can actually be physically dangerous if they get attacked by cis folks when they go into that restroom. It's also important to have gender-neutral single-user restrooms for two other reasons. Is that, one, a lot of people really cannot eliminate in stalls. There's a condition called paruresis, which is anxiety around public urination or defecation. And for many people, it just basically means they actually can't get it out. And so having that single-user restroom is really helpful. But secondly, many people with disabilities travel with caregivers, care partners who may not be of the same gender as them. And so they need to actually be able to go in with their care partner in order to even be able to use the restroom. And this is particularly the case for many older adults who will be traveling with a spouse. They're not necessarily able to go through all the motions on their own. They need some assistance. There's no shame in that. But the thing is that you need to have a bathroom that can actually accommodate that. A lot of public restrooms currently, the stalls are so small that not only are they are not wheelchair accessible, but if someone can't go in with another person, that person might not be able to use that restroom. And that's important because oftentimes people have been pushed out for saying, oh, why are you bringing a woman with you into the men's restroom? And that guy needs that care partner to help him actually use the restroom. So I think it's important from a queer perspective. It's also important from a disability perspective. And it's important from a lot of other perspectives. But the people who are most affected by the lack of gender neutral bathrooms are trans folks. Trans folks experience significantly higher rates of urinary incontinence conditions because of how much they have to hold it in and the damage that that then does to the bladder wall, to the urethra.
0: Yeah. So as we talk about the ways in which this is really an accessibility issue, you know, without public restrooms that are accessible, the only real options would be to hold it in and risk all of these health factors that you spoke about, or, you know, go in your pants, which is so inhumane. I guess I wonder... What happens if you are busted for public urination in D.C.? So in D.C., it's a fine of
1: several hundred dollars or up to 90 days of jail time. I live in Maryland. Here in Montgomery County, it's actually a $1,000 and up to six months in jail. Prince George's County is much more lenient. It's only $50, but it's still a very humiliating situation, especially if someone has an accident and they wet their pants or defecate in their pants, or if they get caught, or if they get called out on it, and that experience of public humiliation. Humiliation is an incredibly damaging experience psychologically. And then with the legal aspect, it's like many other things in this country, who gets called out on it? And as I've told folks, it's not usually white bargoers in Navy Yard at 3am. Another thing I think that always gets forgotten is that public urination, public defecation is also unsanitary for many reasons, but particularly for the person who's doing it because you don't have the access to the hand washing. You don't necessarily have access to a clean place to even do it. So there's so many impacts just beyond the legal thing as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I have heard so many arguments against public restrooms. You've laid out this very good case for it, but people who are against proposals like this, they often... Talk about sort of unsavory things that might happen in public restrooms, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex. What is your response to people who say that?
1: So my rather salty response is that there is no design of a public restroom that will prevent these things from happening. (laughs) And that's just because people will do weird things in public restrooms, no matter how many security things you put in place, no matter how many barriers you put in place. And I think the other thing is that, you know, when we think about drugs, when we think about alcohol, it's like, well, what kind of supports are we providing for people who live with substance use disorder? What sort of supports are we providing for people who are living with alcoholism? And I think that's something to consider as well. But also another thing is that those kind of questions then take away from the focus of, well, what are the impacts of not having public restrooms? Now it's oftentimes there's a distance between like unsavory things might happen and people can't go out and about in public because they're worried about restroom access.
0: Absolutely. So are there places in the D.C., Maryland area where you feel that potty parity is sort of done right, where they're getting it right and doing a good job? So two immediate examples that come to mind, something that I've been trying
1: to pay a lot of attention to is the availability of adult changing tables, because not only do many children need diapers, but there are many adults with disabilities who rely on diapers and other continence products as well. And they oftentimes need a place where a care partner or they themselves can change their diaper. And a BWI, Baltimore-Washington Airport, actually has an adult changing table post-security between concourses B and C. And I think that's really great because it's an example of a very public place that's done a lot of thinking about making sure that they have gender-neutral restrooms, that they have restrooms where they have adult changing tables that are very accessible, that there are single-user restrooms available in such a crowded and well-trafficked place. Another place that I was looking through, um, Planet Word, which is the new linguistics museum in the district, they actually won an award for their public restrooms. But what I really liked about it is not only do they have single-user accessible restrooms, but that restroom actually has adequate counter space. And that's important for two reasons. One is that people who have colostomy bags, or people who are, say, administering insulin or other injective medicine, both need that privacy, but also that sanitary space to lay out their stuff and to do things. And the second thing is that a lot of times what I've noticed is accessible restrooms don't include places for people to dispose of menstrual products like tampons, sanitary pads, and that place actually has it in a very prominent wheelchair accessible spot. And I think that's really good because it seems that people forget that many disabled people menstruate. And that's a key reason that people go into the restroom.
0: Oh, I was just there last week. And I specifically remember thinking, these are nice facilities. Like, this was a nice place to go to the bathroom.
1: (laughs) Yes, they do a really good job.
0: You mentioned that the bathrooms at BWI are pretty good, you know, and it's interesting that that being a travel hub, of course, that's where you would want good bathrooms. But unfortunately, here in DC, the bathrooms on our metro are just not accessible. You know, Why are they so inaccessible? What's going on? So if I remember correctly, it was 2007.
1: Metro closed all of the bathrooms for public access. We're having trouble getting the staff to clean them. There have also been increased security concerns after 9-11 around things like bathrooms and other enclosed spaces in public transit. So they've closed down the bathrooms. I think it would be interesting to see how we can get those restrooms reopened. But then also that would necessitate, and I think this is something where we often don't discuss it, is that it would need staffing and resources to actually make sure those bathrooms are clean, those bathrooms are maintained, so that those bathrooms even work. They haven't been opened for 15 years now. So they would also probably need a lot of TLC, even if it's only been the staff using it. You know, that's not necessarily the traffic they were designed for. There might be some other things there.
0: Yeah. In doing research for speaking to you, I read that Metro actually has what they call a restroom refusal form, where if you ask to go to the bathroom and they say no, they have to fill out a form saying why. And I thought that was so representative of D.C., how we can sometimes get kind of bogged down in paperwork and red tape. What do you think about that?
1: So this is the first time hearing of that restroom refusal form and yikes. Where that gets tricky is also it can get so invasive. Like people are like, oh, do you really need the restroom? I guarantee you when you are in that kind of like emergency situation where it's like you really need the restroom, you really need the restroom. That just feels so indignified that they actually have to fill out a form where they're writing it down. And that's like, you know, I get it. It's bureaucracy. I'm a bureaucrat. I'm also autistic. So I love systems and things. But this is one thing where we really don't want to be doing that. And I mean, like the solution obviously is to have public restrooms that don't require, like, getting permission from the station manager. And what just occurred to me is, I'm not sure how much the station managers might even necessarily know about the different policies. But yeah, I'm going to look up that restroom refusal form. Yikes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yikes is the same reaction (laughs) that I had. So this D.C. proposal is considering setting up public bathrooms near DuPont Circle, Starburst Plaza, or Union Station, and they're going to pick two out of the three locations. Correct. Is there a place that you think that they should choose?
1: So... Of the three, the one I'm actually most excited for is Starburst Plaza. And I think that's because a lot of the restrooms around there are in businesses or in homes. And so, not just for people experiencing homelessness, but for just anyone passing through, you know, if you're transferring from the streetcar to the bus, that's a place where I think it could really be used. And I think also. A lot of times new stylish public restrooms that get attention tend to be in wider places. And I think having it in places that aren't, you know, like Northeast is really helpful. Another thing with Starburst Plaza is that as that area gets more trafficked again, post pandemic, you know, there've been a lot of people passing through DuPont Circle and Union Station, but as people start coming back more to that area, I think it's important also to have the facilities there. I think just You know, even if they pick DuPont Circle and Union Station, just even just having more public restrooms is still a good thing. Another place where I think they really should consider it long term is places over the river in Anacostia. I remember recently when I went to Anacostia, I just remember walking a really long time to find a restroom. (laughs) And I think it would be really great to have it there, especially because, as I said, a lot of times public restrooms tend to be focused in many cities across the U.S., in areas that are whiter and wealthier. And I think it would be really great to make sure that they're in places that aren't just that.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it's an accessibility issue, so we want to make sure the solution is also an accessible solution. Exactly. Thank you for that, Jonathan. And Jonathan, thank you for advocating for, you know, gender justice, disability justice, you know, human rights through potty parity. And for anyone listening, if you have an opinion about what the council should do, submit a public comment. This proposal is open to citizen feedback until the end of the day on June 30th. So hurry up and get your thoughts in. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank
1: you very much. This was a lot of fun and I hope to continue contributing.
0: And before we let you go, some quick news. Starting next year, police officers who monitor metro stations and buses will wear body cameras. They're paying for it with a grant from the Department of Justice. Do you have thoughts about this move? The Metro Transit Police Department says it wants feedback and comments from the public. Meanwhile, D.C.'s Historic Preservation Review Board has named the Uptown Theater a historical landmark, which makes it easier to restore and preserve. The Cleveland Park site originally opened in 1936 and has hosted several world premieres over the past century. But sadly, it's been closed for more than two years and has no immediate plans to reopen. Finally, we are off on Monday, so no newsletter. Enjoy the holiday and please hydrate and use plenty of sunscreen. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilvey. Our audio producer is Julia Karen. Our newsletter writer is Kayla coates Stemmerman, And our hosts are Michael Schaefer and me, Bridget Todd. Music is by Alex Roldan. If you enjoyed the show, help us get it out there. Tell your neighbor, rate the show, and don't forget to subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back on Tuesday. Bye. I was going to burp. <laughs>